Center more home equity, you can refi or purchase at 2.5%. Call 864-979-1111 or go to GaryTheMortgageExpert.com today. Gary's rates destroy the big banks. Subject to underwriting approval. APR is 2.7%. NMLS number 107429. Office number 1847969. Based on $200,000 loan. Rates change daily. Equal housing lender. And now back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 1055 The Roar. Welcome back in to the Mark Childress Show. Mark Childress here with you. I've got Fax and Childress here with me for hour number two. Be talking tons of college football. Special thanks to Megan Heidelberg for being here for uh, hour number one. Always great to see her. If you are listening in your car, on the app, in an internet browser, come on over to Facebook. We're in the Prox Studios in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm the only show in the upstate of South Carolina that simulcasts on Facebook Live as well as the radio. Go to the Roar's Facebook page, the Mark Childress Show's Facebook page, and hang out with us over here. We're going to get uh, deep on some uh, college football. If you want to hit me up in the comments uh, of Facebook, please do that. We've got a bunch of good questions and things like that in there. Also, we've had a bunch of great callers during the show today. Call us, 864-654-7627. We will talk about uh, whatever sports topics that you want to talk about. All right, so uh, Megan's a big uh, South Carolina fan, Faxon, and uh, Gamecocks hosting Auburn noon on Saturday. The spread is two and a half. I know you talked it a little bit uh, last night with Ellis, but what are your thoughts on the Gamecocks-Auburn uh, game? Um, I don't think both teams are particularly good. Neither team is good. Mm-hmm. But I do think Auburn's going to win this football game. Um, Chad Morris, his offense isn't going to have a spell like this for forever where they just, they're not going to go in droughts. And if he does, Malzahn's going to strip him of play calling duty. He's not afraid to do that. We've seen Malzahn beef with offensive coordinators in the past. Yep. So I think this is kind of a game where Auburn has a coming out party. Um, the South Carolina defense is dreadful. Their offenses look pretty good to their credit over the past couple weeks. So I think there's a chance they put up some points as Auburn's defense has been a tad overrated. Everyone thought it was really good coming into the year, but the loss of Derek Brown and a couple pieces in the secondary have really hit hard for them. I'm going to take, I said last night that I, I think Auburn's going to win by two scores, and I'm going to oh, stick wow. to that. Interesting. I'm uh, so we had a couple callers that were jumping on board with the Gamecocks, and I think Megan was making some compelling uh, cases as well. But uh, I have a hard time looking at that one and not picking Auburn. South Carolina has beaten Auburn since 1933. Since 1933. I mean, I think you just keep picking Auburn until the uh, the streak runs out. So we'll be keeping our eye on that one. Um, what are your thoughts on Saban and COVID and all that? Um, I think it actually is a big it's it's a big blow for Alabama and. I think Alabama will still win this game, whether Saban's coaching from virtually or coaching from a box or a suite. Have they said, I know you've been on social while I've been they on air, have they been saying anything about that they yet? They haven't given any insight as to what the coaching plan is for mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, I'm just I'm just hoping that none of the Alabama players actually have COVID as well and they right. have to end up canceling the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting for word on what the situation is because, I mean, these guys are good around each other in the locker room and if Saban has it then there's a good chance the staff has it maybe some of the players well their AD has it Greg Byrne has it so So, as you can see it's already rampant around the program just hoping that everyone's staying safe there nobody on the team has it Um, but if the game is played which I think it will be I think Alabama's going to win regardless of Saban or not I don't think Georgia's offense can keep up and I think we had Gamecock Will call in he said earlier Alabama's offense is going to be too much even though Georgia's defense is great I I think Alabama's going to win by about 10 points 
Yeah, I'm uh, probably picking Bama as well. And uh, I've said openly on the air, I won't rat you out. But we don't have two Georgia fans sitting up here. We, yeah. we both got super frustrated with Georgia fans living in Atlanta for the majority of this guy's life. And uh, better part of two decades for me. So I'm probably going Bama in that one. I'm not going to make my official picks till later in the week. And again, uh, I may feel differently, you know, without having your leader on the sidelines, it's going to have an impact. And he's got a senior staff of people with uh, offensive and defensive coordinators. What he's got Sarkeesian now uh, as the offensive coordinators. Charlie Strong calling plays. Is that right? This weekend for Bama? He might be. Yeah. I think uh, I think they some, said he was he doing that. Sort of role. Yeah. So you've got uh, you've got. I mean, it's not like a staff where you got a bunch of 27-year-olds running around and who's going to be the interim. I'm guessing somebody will have to step in and kind of take head coaching duties for the ball game. And I think Sark can do that if, if Oh, yes. He's, he's experienced that's where they can do that. And I don't even think it matters who's coaching at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. When you have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith on the outside and you got a quarterback like Mac Jones who throws a deep ball, I don't know if you watched the game against Ole Miss, but Najee Harris, five touchdowns all around last week. That offense is unstoppable right now. And I just I think they're going to keep clicking. I think there's a good chance they put up 30-plus 30, 30 on Georgia's defense, which has been unheard of this year. Yeah, and it's weird because, I mean, you hear the old adage, right? It's, you know, a good defense is going to beat a good offense. That's what you hear, and defense wins championships and all of that. And I normally skew that direction. If I look at a team where I feel like has a really good defense, but some callers in the last hour made some pretty good points. And one of those points was, has Georgia really stopped an elite offense yet? And they haven't. But at the same time, has Alabama scored points on an elite defense yet? No, they have not. So you got a clash of the Titans there. Saturday game is Saturday night at eight. I'm excited that the Clemson game is at noon this week. Yeah. Um, I do the post game on the radio side as well, but I'll be able to get to do all of that unless something really weird happens and be walking back in the door of my house before eight o'clock to be able to sit down and watch that ball game. And I think, uh, what will that be? Game five? That'll be game six of the NLCS, assuming there is a game. Hopefully there's not a game six. Yeah, that would mean that the Braves win in, uh, four and five. But uh, that'll be uh, back and forth or maybe get two TVs going at once kind of thing. But I think we're kind of, uh, I think we're kind of thinking the same thing on that one. All right, so um, I'm a lot more superstitious than you about a lot of things, but what are your, what are your thoughts on Clemson and, and Georgia Tech? Oh, it's going to be a massacre. Okay. Yeah, there's, I think Clemson probably wins and covers. Um, Georgia Tech's defense isn't bad, and their offense isn't bad either. But just the talent gap is is it's too it's too big to overcome. We saw last week a team like Miami. I think we all agree Miami is significantly better than Georgia Tech, and the talent gap on the field oh, was gosh, just yes. blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. And when you take that next step down, Georgia Tech was projected to be the worst team in the ACC pre preseason by pretty much every pundit, yep. and they're kind of overachieving so far. I think this is a come down to earth game. I think Clemson goes in there and hangs fifty to 60 points. I think that you're right. I think there's a very good chance that'll happen. It does concern me a little bit. I mean, you've got the long interception free streak going for um, Trevor Lawrence. Clemson hasn't been turning over the ball at all. I mean, I know you had the fumble last week, but I, it's an amazing amount of games since Clemson's had multiple turnovers in the game. I mean, the yeah. number has to, I mean, and it's not always bad play that leads to turnover. Sometimes it can be a good defensive play. Sometimes it can be a bad break. I just feel like Clemson's due to have that game where the ball bounces funny two or three times and a bunch of things go wrong on that front. I would I mean, rather, I'd, I'd rather it be this. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather it be down in Atlanta, but then instead of 56 to 10, it's, you know, 41 to, to 60 or something like that. I don't think the game's going to be competitive regardless. I think Georgia Tech maybe has that defensive capability to come out and throw a bunch of different looks at Trevor early on and maybe Mm -hmm. keep it competitive for a quarter, but Clemson will come out in the second half if it is close at halftime and just mow them over. Yeah, I, uh, I could see that. 
Who's going to win the Heisman Trophy this year? I think Trevor Lawrence is going to win the Heisman Trophy, provided he gets enough playing time to to accumulate the stats to win the Heisman Trophy. Now, he's been... Yeah, I feel like he's been accumulating more playing time so far this year. He has definitely more than uh, other years in the past. And Davo's been, I think a big part of that is there was no spring practice. Mm-hmm. So it's more important that he gets these reps clicking before Clemson plays a, a super meaningful game. Like against Miami, we saw he played a lot more than we thought he would against Virginia. Yes. Um, so I'm expecting to see him for th- upward. I would say maybe upwards of three quarters again this week against, uh, against Georgia Tech. I think you really see... Uh, Trevor get a lot of playing time rolling up to Notre Dame to make sure Clemson's firing on, on all cylinders for that game. We had some really good callers last hour. Hey, if you guys want to jump in and, uh, and chat, uh, 864-654-7627, the Northland Communication phone lines. If you've got any questions and you want to jump in on the Facebook side, uh, leave us some comments. We'll uh, answer them there. It was a really good point that I hadn't considered, and I don't know why yet, but Justin Fields is only going to play like eight games. Yeah, I don't think that Fields can, or any Pac-12 guy, they're playing seven and eight games respectively. Yeah. So that takes out two conferences. So if you're taking out those two conferences, I feel like you've probably already removed the Big 12 from Heisman consideration. Rattler can't win it anymore. I don't think him or or Ellinger. So they're both out of the running. And Texas is 2-2 and as well. What about Brock Purdy? Could he he start lighting things up? I would say that Brock Purdy had a chance if they didn't lose to Louisiana Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And that game just really looks uncharacteristic now because Iowa State's rolling. They beat a couple teams in a row, and they look good. I think that was just like I said it on air when it happened. That was just a, that was blatantly indicative of no spring practice. Yes. they had they looked like completely lost out there in that game, and they got steamrolled by Louisiana Lafayette. But if they would have won that game, I could say Purdy could catch fire. But I, I think the Big Twelve can also be ruled out. All right, so. Now we go over to the SEC. So I think Kyle Trask has played really well this season, Matt but obviously Jones. he just he just lost a game. I mean Trask, they could they could run the table out and he could put up some big numbers and he could put himself. I mean I think he's in the Heisman race right now, but he could put himself you know slapped out in the middle of that. Yeah, he's getting a lot of volume and they're throwing the ball a lot more than everyone expected them to. Yeah, and, a ton and, more than I thought. And people are already calling them the LSU of this year because mm-hmm. their offensive style and philosophy has completely changed. Yep. So if Trask continues to get that volume and I think for him to win the Heisman Trophy they would have to beat Georgia and run the table like you said so I think they have to win out for him to even get to the ceremony regardless of the numbers he puts up because yes. we can pretty much lock in that regardless of how many games Fields plays and I don't think he's going to win it he's going to be at that ceremony just because of his name and you have to put him yes. there um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be there I think ETN is going to get there as well me too so that really just leaves two more spots and I think up that, to two you don't take five anymore yeah and Remember? I think that Najee Harris has a better chance at getting to that stage than Kyle Trask does because of the team he plays on and the stats he's already put up. And I would even say Mac Jones, if, if Alabama yeah, goes undefeated. I agree. I think if Alabama goes undefeated, I think you could see a scenario where the QB and running back from Clemson and Alabama all attend the ceremony. That would be very interesting. That's kind of where I was headed with this whole thing, too. And as you start thinking through it, and again, there's so much football to be played. And Clemson could end up losing three games, and this is all all different. But all of the the boxes that Trevor checked in the offseason and... We want to play. I mean, that movement alone and the fact that he was really the first one to go running out there and saying, guys, figure this out. We want to play. It seems like it's his to lose. But Travis Etienne, over the course of the next couple of weeks, is going to start taking down records in the ACC that are going to have to put him square in the Heisman race. And I guess at the end of the day, if 
Trevor and Travis are one and two, potentially, does one rob votes from the other? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, is at First some point, votes, yeah. is everybody going to get behind one of them at some point? Or are you going to have both of those guys? And then maybe a guy that wasn't as deserving sneaks in because Trevor and Travis split the vote. I mean, this is a good, again, this is why we have sports talk on the radio and on Facebook, right? So we can speculate about this stuff. I just think... Uh, I think both of them are in a really good spot. But Travis Etienne could be the all-time leading rusher in the ACC this weekend. I think he's 175 yards or so away. And he's, I mean, I could see him doing something like that. And the last running back Heisman was Derrick Henry. Yes. Took it from Deshaun Watson, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Deshaun was uh, twice. It is is traditionally a QB award. Mm -hmm. But if a running back has a season like Derrick Henry had in that year, and especially the fact that this is ETN's fourth year, he's got all the narratives and record breaking behind him. But then again, Trevor Lawrence has that media brigade behind him of he's he's the golden boy. He's the QB of the best team in the country. He's Mm going to go number one in the draft. And he would... He's kind of the face of college football to an extent because of what he did in this offseason. So it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds and where the voters choose to place their votes in maybe controversial places. How good of a running back is Travis Etienne? Uh, he has no business being on a college field. He should be in the NFL. I agree with that. He looks like an outlier. Like when you watch a Clemson game, he looks like he does not belong on the field at all. Mm-hmm. He should be playing for like the Colts or the Lions or one of those teams that were in the lower first round right now. And I think by coming back, even though he's getting more tread on his tires per se, he's boosting his stock because he's doing what we know he can do. So I think that yep. I think that Travis probably goes in the top twenty in the NFL draft. I think there's a good chance that he could as well. And I know that running backs aren't as valued as they were before, but uh, even though he's coming back for the fourth year, he's had so few carries as opposed I mean, compared to somebody like a Jonathan Taylor, yeah. I mean, that guy seems like he has 100 miles and on Taylor him. Went the, like Taylor 10. went in the second round with yeah. all that. And, and uh, a lot of people before the season were saying, could Hubbard go above ETN? I think that's already just been, that argument's been decimated yes. by the the way that both of them, I mean, Hubbard's been outperformed by his backup this year significantly. Yep. And ETN's continued to kill it in every facet of the game. He's gotten better on pass protection. He's not mm-hmm. a liability in the pass pro game anymore. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He's yep. expanded his route tree out of the backfield. And we all know what he can do as a runner. He's elusive. He can power you. He can do everything. And, and what it's going to look like uh, when he goes to the combine as well. We, he's going to know how fast. Four. I know it's going to be. He's going to put up ridiculous combine numbers, and just like I was talking about Trevor uh, in an earlier segment. I mean, Trevor is the prototypical quarterback. You go into a lab, you design a QB. It is Trevor Lawrence in size and arm strength, um, and how he does. Uh, very similar, I feel like, with Travis Etienne. He's going to check a lot of those boxes. They're teams that literally just draft based on. The numbers, right? And what someone looks like. What's their size? What did they run the 40 in? How many bench press reps? All right, that's the guy we're drafting, and they don't worry about tape. Other people look at tape. Trevor and Travis will be unique because they'll have both. Yeah, and that's really valuable. I mean, Trevor's the unanimous number one pick as of right now, unless something crazy happens. I guess the only way that I could see Trevor not going number one would be if the Bengals somehow dropped to number one. They would take they would take uh, Panay Sewell or whatever the O lineman's name is for Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that Trevor Lawrence will go number one based off of the teams we are seeing that are bad. So if the Jets get the number one pick, if the Giants get the number one pick, if the football team get the number yes, one pick, yes. if uh, the Washington. Falcons get the number one pick, I think all of those teams would take Trevor Lawrence. And I don't even think there would be a, a, a there would be a question. I could also, this is going to be, Dak Prescott just broke his ankle. Right. 
if the Cowboys have an underwhelming season, we are Jerry Jones is not shy to send the mother load offer. Yeah, he's he's true. done it before and he will do it again. I could definitely see Jerry Jones shipping the rights to Dak. I'm gonna cut and you. I'm about to cut your microphone. First and second, <laughs> Jerry is not afraid to do that. Gosh. So if Trevor Lawrence ends up on the, I mean, from an NFL fan perspective, I hate the Cowboys, but Trevor would walk into the league with an elite O line and Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup to throw to. So if that no, if, I don't. If, I don't care if who we're just talking. To throw to. If we're talking, if we're talking Trevor's success, then the cow. We want the Cowboys to. If no, you're, we don't. If you're a Clemson fan, that's a neutral. Then you want Trevor to go to the Cowboys, but no, we do not want Trevor to go to the. That's like the nightmare scenario. Or the, every year, I mean, I get on this show every year and I say I do not want any Clemson Tigers going to the Dallas Cowboys. Any of them. I think the only one that's on there is Mitch Hyatt. That's right. I think he's banged up, though. I'll yeah, have to go he's back on the practice look. squad. Yeah, now. he's on the practice squad and figure all of that out. Now, I get where you're coming from, but if, if a team that had a quarterback that they liked was number one, they'd just trade. I mean, like you're saying, they would just trade out of it. Yeah. But the Cowboys, so the Cowboys aren't going to get there by having a bad season. Because even the Cowboys have an experienced veteran NFL quarterback yeah, Dalton, who still has a live arm, Andy Dalton. There's still a chance. I think they're still going to win the division. I don't think that. They have two games against the Giants. They have two games against Washington. Your Eagles aren't great. No, they're all They're probably going to win five out of those six games yeah, in division. The Cowboys will end up going eight and eight probably in that mm-hmm. range and making the playoffs. So it's going to be one of those things where. It just comes down to does Dak Prescott want to pl- want to pay Dak Prescott, or what, does Jerry Jones want to pay Dak Prescott? I don't think and you can. Now. Are you paying him this forty million dollar lucrative deal that he's asking for when he just snapped his ankle in half? Especially, what if Dalton goes out and wins you nine games? Then I Dak, think Dalton is going to win nine games. And then Dak's career with the Cowboys is over. And I think you see a team like Indianapolis with a lot of financial flexibility. Mm-hmm. A team like Chicago. I think you see a team like this go in and make that offer for Dak and take the risk. Because he is a good player. Yes. But I just can't see, Jerry's never been sold on paying Dak as we've seen him tag him two years in a row. Right, but Dak also turned down a couple of really lucrative offers trying to get the ultimate offer. And in hindsight, maybe he should have taken one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Dak would have been better suited. I mean, he got offered $35 million annually. Mm-hmm. $35 million a year over five years. By, and Jerry's like, this is all we're going to give you. And he's like, I want 40 plus. I want to be the highest paid QB besides Mahomes. And uh, it's coming back to bite him now. So we're going to see how much money he gets in this offseason. I don't yeah. I, coming off of an injury that, for running backs, it typically takes one to two years to recover for. If my team, I wouldn't touch him with a six-foot pole yeah. and for $40 million. No way. And I feel bad for him. And uh, and I said that. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Alex Smith and uh, Dak coming up in the next segment. But uh, even though I don't like the Cowboys, I'm really upset about what happened. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I mean, yeah. he's going to probably have to go out and take some kind of deal that he doesn't want to take at a new team and have to prove himself and hope the injury goes perfectly to ever get his massive payday. Because he was playing good football. Mm-hmm. He was playing really good football. and he Cowboys weren't paid. losing games because of Dak Prescott. No, he was putting up monster stats in every game, and mm-hmm. their defense was just giving up four. I mean, even they gave up 34 points to the Giants. Yep. The Giants are like the worst team in the league and they gave up 34 points to them. Yeah, there's some pretty bad there's some there's some pretty bad NFL teams this year. The Giants feel like even worse the worse Giants than usual. might be bottom of the barrel. I really do think You think so. so? I think the Giants and the Jets are unanimously the bottom two. The Falcons are too talented to lose 16 or go 0 and 16 and the the football team, the Eagles, these teams that have one win right now, they will get a couple wins because they actually have some pieces on their football team. The Jets and the Giants have no admirable pieces on their team at all. Yeah, Saquon blew out his knee. That was their one. That's that true. was their one attraction. 
tank for Trevor. There was uh, some New York sports writers that called into the press conferences and asked uh, Dabo about. It's going to be a go New to the Giants, or you think he'll go to the Jets? It is going to be a New York tank off for the for Trevor Lawrence. See, I don't think. All right, we're going to talk about this after the break. I want to talk about tanking. I'm, in fact, I'm going to make a note because I know myself when I tease stuff, I always forget. We're going to talk about tanking after the break, some more NFL talk. We're going to go deep on the Clemson-Georgia Tech game this weekend as well. Faction Childress is here with me. I'm Mark Childress. This is the Mark Childress Show. It's the Great American Gun Show this weekend and easily at the Upper State Fairgrounds. Buy, sell, and trade. Saturday, 9 to 5, Sunday, 10 to 4. Guns, knives, ammo, and more. COVID guidelines will be in place. This weekend in Easley, Upper State Fairgrounds, Highway 123 in Easley. 911, what's your emergency? God, there's a train that just hit a car. Sir, what is your location? Uh, uh, Look around for a street sign, sir. It's 8th and Orchard. 8th and Orchard. Okay, very good. 8th and Orchard. Sir, help is on the way. Why would he do that? What? The train still doesn't stop. You have to get there now. At a railway crossing, even if the engineer sees you and hits the brakes, it can take a mile for the train to stop. And for you, that's too late. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Summer is coming. Time to turn off the TV and turn on a clever little app called Audible. With Audible, you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love. Outside. You know, that place you're supposed to be in the summertime. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook. If you don't like it, exchange it any time. Or roll your credits over to the next month if you don't use them. So get up and get outside with Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free at audible.com. Before your next flooring job, make Lowe's your first stop. See the latest styles in our new flooring showroom. We carry more tile, more vinyl, more laminate and hardwood than ever before. Whatever you need, we have the job lot quantities you expect at bulk pricing to save you money. Shop in store or online at Lowe'sForPros.com. Need materials delivered to your job site? No problem. Our pro team can help you get the job done right and on time. It's just one more reason why Lowe's is the new home for pros. U.S. only. And now, back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Welcome back into the Mark Childress Show. If you are listening on your radio in your car, if you're on the... Uh, internet browser, if you're in an app, we are over on Facebook. We've got a big crowd tonight, man. Come join us over on Facebook, uh, on the Roar's Facebook page or the Mark Childress Show's Facebook page. Mark Childress here. Facts and Childress is with me as well. You guys can give us a call also, 864-654-7627. I made the mistake of asking Faxon what the Braves score was during the break. It's 15-1. to 1. The Braves are behind. An absolute disaster of epic proportions. And uh, It could be worse. No, it couldn't. It could be 16 to 1. Well, gosh. Well, maybe. The, the Braves could also be down 2-0, and this could be happening. No, if they were down 2-0 it was happening, we would know that the series is over. So um, out of the last 31 teams to go up 2-0 in a series, what is their record? Do you know? Do you know these stats yet? Specific record or percentage? No. So thirty-one. the last 31 times that a team has gone up 2-0 in a seven-game I'm going to guess 25 or 26. 29 and 2. Yeah. 14 and 0 in the NLCS. There's never been a team to go up 2-0 in the NLCS to not advance 
to the next round. I am wildly negative right now, which is unlike me about the Braves, and you are wildly positive, which is unlike you about the Braves. Uh, I see no reason to be negative because the expectations were low coming into the series. The Dodgers are better than the Braves, and if you think yes. otherwise, you're lying to yourself. I agree. They are the objectively better baseball team. The Braves have numerous injuries. The front office did absolutely nothing at the trade deadline to address the pitching staff, and I think that the management kind of threw in the towel after they saw Soroka got injured, Fulte was injured, Newcomb was terrible. Yeah. I think that the... I I seriously think that the Braves management threw in the towel. No. Because I do. They traded for one. They didn't start. want to overpay. I mean, they traded for had one to starter at the deadline, and he got released after two starts. One yep. of those starts, he blew a 10-0 lead in. It yep. was just Tommy Malone. And these guys, Bauer was on the market. Clevenger was on the market. You may have got, been able to get Sonny Gray or Castillo from the, Rays, or from the Reds as well. There were starting pitchers out there to go get. But Lance, Pache wouldn't be on the team right now. Lance Lynn. I, I don't think that the Braves would have had the part with Pache. I think they could have given up Waters and, and maybe Kyle Wright, who got rocked today. So I Kyle think Wright's the, still a good pitcher. I don't disagree with that, but today was disastrous. Uh, the Braves... They, they held all their cards close to them at the deadline, and now you're seeing what happens. You're up to on the NLCS, and you're throwing two guys that belong on the Gwinnett Stripers in these next two games, which is Kyle Wright and... In a normal season, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson would not be making starts for this baseball Correct. Team. And this is anything but a normal season. Well, I said to you last night, I felt like today would be a blowout. You can vouch for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't. it's worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, the Braves are going to have to slug their way to do it. They're not going to pitch their way to the uh, World Series at this point. They're going to have to slug their way to the World Series. So I feel like the Braves are going to have to win a couple of games like 7-5, to 9-6, to six, something like that, if they're going to advance. Um, I will let you be hopeful for the two of us, and I will try not to get frustrated. Game 4 will be tomorrow night, first pitch at 8 o'clock. And if the Braves lose tomorrow, I think you throw Max Fried on short rest in Game 5. I don't think you have another option. Yeah, I think you can't go down You can't go down 3-2, and, and you, I mean... Bullpen, the bullpen's really good, but throwing a bullpen game in the playoffs is is essentially throwing up a white flag. That never works for anyone ever. Yeah. If you're not named the Tampa Bay Rays, a bullpen game is never a good idea. Yeah. And they build themselves for that and, and can do it multiple times. So it'll be interesting. I'm not discouraged yet. So it's a 8 o'clock start tomorrow night. Friday night, did you know this? First pitch, 9 o'clock. That doesn't surprise me. But it bothers me because I've got to be in a, you know, close to like 8 o'clock on I think, uh, Saturday morning I for think radio you might stuff. See, I don't know if the official start times are announced for 6 and 7, but I'm assuming the Rays-Astros series will be over by then. Yeah, and, I think it'll be 8 o'clock. And you're catering, to, you're catering to L.A. markets, too. You have to, so these guys aren't even off of work in Los Angeles yet if you're giving an 8 o'clock I think start. It's, I think it's 8 o'clock even if uh, that Astros series were to go All to right. Game 7. I think it's 8 o'clock so Sunday. 8, 9, and 8. And then Monday. Yeah, it's 8, 9, 8, 8 after this, okay. uh, I believe. I'll check that during the break, and uh, and we'll figure it out. Hey, if you do want to get on the phone, ask us any questions, uh, commiserate in our Braves misery, uh, you're welcome to. 864-654-7627. Okay, see? That's why I write it down. Got to learn how to tease in the business. I tease very well, but then I forget when I come back after the break. Tanking. This is a question that I want to ask you. I've never asked you this. Um, do you think teams in the NFL, we're not talking about NBA, we're not talking about baseball. In the NFL, do you think teams actually tank? Oh, 100%, yeah. I completely disagree with you. No, I think they, they definitely tank, and I think the most— No, no, no. Oh, let, let me be better. This early in the season— 
Oh, no, not this early in the season. Because they're saying tank for Trevor and, oh, they're 0-4. They're going to go 0-16. No, no, I don't. They're not. And, and I don't, I don't think, think any is. team is tanking right now. You agree with that. Everyone said last year that the Dolphins were tanking when they were 0-9, and they got four wins. Yes. So, I, number one, I think it, I think the management of the team is important, depending on who, who owns the team and what. Mm-hmm. And if the coach has any incentive to win more games. That's important as well. But at the same time. If you have a major position of need in, at quarterback and you have a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence and you look up at your schedule and it's 0-9, it's kind of hard to motivate your guys to go out there and win ball games after that. Yeah. And there, there's really you really gain nothing. I've said this for forever. Most people are anti-tanking. I'm pro-tanking. You gain nothing by winning meaningless football games. So nothing aggravates me more than watching a team and that I'm not even a fan of because my team hasn't tanked in forever. But wa- uh, watching a team like the Dolphins last year, why are you winning football games? I mean, they still got their guy in two, but they could have had Burrow easily. All you had to do was lose. It's the easiest thing ever. Right, but you, I know you, and you are unbelievably competitive, as am I. So you're on a team, and your coach comes to you and says, we don't want to win this week. What's your reaction to that? My reaction is I'm making tens of millions of dollars. Oh, so you're the, you're the star. You're not you're Listen, not like if you're, down the road. If you're if you're the if you're the premier player on the team, you're yeah, at the same time you're working out for your check to an extent. So you're playing yeah. for stats at that point. You're not playing right. you're well, not but, playing for wins. But that but what I'm driving at is like what if you're that guy on the bubble, right? You're the defensive back that gets in 20 plays a game. You are playing for your That's livelihood. So true. you don't want to tank. You want to go out there and show them that you deserve to be on the team again the next and year. And there are a lot of there are a lot of players who have made their careers on mm-hmm. these tanking teams by showing out when... But see, I don't think teams ever tank. You don't I, think I, that there's that's ever the, a scenario? In, so, NBA, absolute tanking, sometimes season-long intentional tanking. The Warriors blatantly Baseball, sure. I wouldn't call it tanking. To me, baseball is making a revenue or dollars-based decision, right? Hey, we're a small market. We're not going to win this year. We're going to trade all of our guys and make a lot of money. We're not. We're going to get a bunch of prospects. We're going to spend $40 million on payroll this year. I don't care what the record is. I wouldn't call that tanking. That's a little bit different. You're, making, also, a, you're base, making a business decision. Baseball's also different because these guys in the NFL, the NBA, NHL, these guys come in and they play day one. Right. That's not the case in baseball. No. They're, they're, you will never have a player you pick on your MLB roster in the same season. But I don't think in the NFL, because of the reasons that we're citing, right? Because you have a lot of players on, I mean, most players in the NFL come from teams that are really good. And they've been really good. Yeah. And I don't think that... If, if tanking was intentional, then at some point players would come out and say, our coaches told us to lose and I ain't losing. And I've never heard somebody say that. I've never heard anybody say it once. So I don't think there's ever tanking going on. And I definitely don't think there is right now. And I'll go on record right now and say it. And I know I'm going to be right. There's not going to be an 0-16 team in the NFL no, this year. Never and I know is. the Giants are terrible. And I know the Jets are terrible. They're going to win a couple of games. 2-14 and 14 is probably going to get you the number one pick. Now, I do want to say the Jets are probably the biggest example of an 0-16 candidate in a long time. Just because they got so hosed with their scheduling. They have like the third hardest schedule yeah, the rest of the way. True. But they, with that being said, they will still win one or two games because that's how the NFL operates. Yep.
The NFL is impossible to predict, legitimately impossible. And then uh, a really good point from Spencer here in the Facebook comments. And again, if you guys are listening on the radio, come on over to the Roar's Facebook page, the Mark Childress Show's Facebook page. Um, Spencer brings up a really comment. Wait until the eliminated teams have COVID opt-outs. That's another piece of that it as well. Yeah. Are, you know, are the uh, Jets playing a Week 14 game against the Lions, and the Lions have 15 guys with COVID that aren't playing? That could have a huge impact as well. And maybe that is going to be a way that a team ends up 0-16 this year. And also... You're getting yeah, late in the year. Also, if you're, if you're looking up at the schedule, you're 1-11, and you're saying, is this worth it to my personal health if COVID is still a, a primary issue? Yeah. Like, is this worth it to continue playing for this horrible, horrible team? And That's a good point. I think you might see a lot of players... And, uh, I mean, we had a player retire at halftime last year. With Vontae Davis retired at halftime last year with no global pandemic. So, yep. I well, would, there's I people telling surprised. Julio Jones not to come back. Like, I, if you're banged up, why come back? And Julio's gaining. We all know what Julio can do. He gains nothing by playing. It just in genuine honesty. But, but the guy loves the game. I, and he's driven. I and, understand. I understand that more than anyone else. But like, just if you if you're using logic, like. Julio's probably going to get traded soon. They're going to rebuild because they fired their coach and they have no foreseeable future. Their window is over. So Julio's probably going to get traded. So what if he goes out there and he blows out his ACL in a COVID season and they're 0-9? That thought just like if I was on a tanking team, not tanking, but if I was on a bad team, that thought would always be lingering in the back of my head. Like, is it worth it for me to be out here right now? Yeah. Because my career could end on any given play and I'm playing for a bad team. Yep. I I agree. Well, you can't think like I, I understand what you're saying, but you can't play to not yeah. get hurt, or then you are you are going to get hurt. Uh, we'll figure it out. Hey, eight six four six five four seven six two seven. Give us a call if you want. I see some friendly faces in here in Facebook, so if you want to chat, please get on board. I mentioned this uh, during the break over on the Facebook side. Greenville's Bon Secours Wellness Arena will host the first and second rounds of the 2026 men's NCAA tournament and a 2023 women's NCAA tournament regional that was announced earlier today and I was bringing up to you during the break uh, back in the day pre-Bilo Center, pre-Bon Secours it was the Big Brown Box. That's what they called it. That's uh, They tore that down and built a, uh, a really nice place. So you're talking about Brad Brownell winning national championships, and then it's the Big Brown Box. You can put all that back together and, uh, and figure all that out. Okay, I pulled a couple of uh, stats here that I think you'll like, facts. And LSU converted, first of all, this is an insane stat. LSU converted 33% of its third and long tries last year. Think about that. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. This season, one of 21 that shows how bad they are. It's not, you don't have Joe Brady anymore to bail you out. No, you do not. Or uh, Joe Burrow. Um, Derek King targeting wide receivers beyond the line of scrimmage. Okay. <laughs> have you seen this? Yeah, I think I have. Okay. Uh, when he throws the ball past the line of scrimmage, and again, this is Derek King, considered one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Clemson shut him down last week. You know, he plays for Miami. 44.3% completions. One touchdown, one interception. All other throws behind the line of scrimmage, 79% completion, five touchdowns and one interception. So basically, he can't throw the ball down the field. The the term quarterback is used loosely. Uh, I would say De'Aaron King is one of the best players in the nation. He's not a quarterback, if we're just being real. He's a really good athlete that can throw the ball. 
He's not a quarterback. He can find a role in the NFL, kind of like Jalen Hurts is finding one with the Eagles. Definitely. Well, I think Jalen Hurts, number one, is a lot better thrower of the football than than Derek by like a long shot. If Derek can uh, not throw the ball down the field, it's better than a 44.3. Derek will find a role. He's too explosive and he's too good of a playmaker to not find a a gadget role somewhere. Yeah. So he will he will play on Sunday. I don't know what that position will be, but he will play on Sunday. I agree. All right. PFF, uh, pro, uh, pro Football Focus, uh, all of their stuff is fantastic. Who are the top four, Faxon? Who are the top four highest graded front sevens in college football, according to Pro Football Focus? So they go through all the tapes of all the college athletes. They grade out individual players. They grade out offenses, defenses, all kinds of stuff. It's fantastic stuff if you're a stat nerd like me. I think I'm much more nerd on the stats than you are. Yes? Yeah, probably. I'm pretty much more than everybody. Highest graded front sevens in college football. Who are the top four so far? Well, I'm going to guess that Georgia and Clemson are two of the four, considering they're the two best defenses in the country. Georgia is number one, and Clemson is number two. Um, Wake Forest might be up there. They are not. Hmm. Give you one more guess. There's an ACC team in the top four, other than Clemson. Hmm. That makes me think... That makes me think maybe Virginia. Pittsburgh is number four. Wow. Cincinnati is number three. Cincy. I would have never guessed Cincy. Cincy's for real. Yeah, they've got a they've got Tulsa, they've got SMU, they've got Memphis, they've got UCF. You know the line. They can put a nice little thing together, is what? It's they're favored by three. They're only favored by three against Tulsa this weekend. Tulsa's been putting up some points. I I mean, they're a good football team. That was just shocking to me because they're not even ranked. And I I get it's in Oklahoma, and I get Tulsa's good, but, like, that's the number seven team in the country, Cincinnati. You see what Vegas thinks of them, and that, that kind of scares me off. Oh, it does a little bit. Because I, I, I feel like most of the time the betting line is, like, scarily close. Well, I, that was my reaction to the Auburn yeah. South Carolina line. Why is it two and a half? I mean, you think Auburn's going to roll. Yeah. I kind of think Auburn's going to roll. The line's two and a half. Yeah, it's Vegas just, doesn't think it's Auburn's going to roll. When, whenever I have an opinion that I think, like, like I think, like, logically, since he should win this game by two scores, but, like, mm-hmm. that Vegas line just kind of makes me feel weird about making that prediction. So we'll see what happens. But if they can run through that. So Cincinnati's number eight right now, okay? Yeah. So just by winning all their games, they're probably going to navigate up one or two spots, would be my guess. Because right? one of Georgia or Bama is going to lose because yep. they have to lose. They play this weekend. But I don't know if they fall behind Cincy, but yes. But they have to lose. That's like, They will be one of the two or three undefeated teams left. If they could run through that group of five schedule that I just mentioned with literally all the other good to great group yeah. of five teams from I the last five years that are still on it, if there's any year to do it, it's this weird year. They have a playoff case for sure. Would you put, put a twelve and zero? I'm. I think they would. They'd be eleven and zero or twelve and zero. Cincy team in over like an undefeated eight and zero Pac-12 champ. It's well, going to be really it, weird. This is this assuming year. since he wins the AAC title. Yeah, I, there's a lot of assumptions here. There's a lot of assumptions. I, here. Like, let's say US. So I'm assuming this is USC or Oregon runs the table in the Pac-12 and is like the eight and zero Pac-12 champs. Yeah. I think that the committee would put the Pac-12 team in, but I would personally put Sensi in just because, I mean, there's more of a sample size. Yeah. Do I think that the Sensi would beat USC or Oregon head-to-head? No. Do I think Sensi would even have a chance of winning a playoff game? No. But either. just based off of their like, based off of their strength of schedule, it's been good enough for a group of five team. And then if they can prove that they can consist those teams week in, week out, I think they deserve a shot. Yeah. 
If there's any year to do it, it's this weird year that kind of doesn't count because no eligibility is being expired really and all of that. If Ohio it's State already loses. getting really weird. If Ohio State loses, that leaves the door wide open because everyone everyone's already kind of saying, okay, Clemson won SEC team, Ohio State in a fourth. Yes. And now that Florida has a loss, Georgia or Bama is going to have a loss after this weekend. The group of five is looking like if you can get Cincy, if they win all their games, they're going to be four, five, or six on that selection day. Yeah. And they're going to have a legitimate chance to get in. We've got some folks on Facebook saying two SEC teams are going to get in. I'm going to kind of disagree with it. No, so I'm going to disagree I, with you. The loser of the Alabama-Georgia game has to win out. And then the other one has to be undefeated because I think there's a very good chance. I think there's a very good chance that every team in the SEC could have two losses this year. And you have to think, every team but Bama and Georgia already have a loss. And the majority yeah. already have two losses. So after this weekend, the SEC will have one undefeated team. Correct. And if that is Georgia, the SEC is in big time trouble. If you're like one of those weirdos who pulls for your conference as a whole, you should be pulling for Bama this weekend because Georgia still has to play Florida. They still have to play, I know LSU, but they have to go down there and they play LSU. And Georgia loses a game they're not supposed to every and year. They, they lost, lost to Carolina with their third string quarterback last year. And yep. Georgia is, they cannot be trusted. They're frauds. So if Georgia wins this weekend, I think think that there's a chance the SEC gets excluded in a whole depending on what happens with the remainder of the schedule. Because if Georgia beats Bama and then Georgia loses to Florida, all of a sudden everyone has a loss and you're seven weeks in. Yeah. So then let's say... And you're say, playing conference only, so you got to eye test Yeah, it. then if Florida drops a game to, like, let's say let's say that LSU game rescheduled, then mm-hmm. Florida, who beat Georgia, all of a sudden has two losses, and you have nobody in the conference that has a strong playoff if case. You, if everyone had a loss, then in the SEC championship game, somebody would get a second loss as well. So, so it could be a hot, hot mess. There's one team out there that I'm high on and that you're not, that we haven't even brought up yet, and we will talk about that coming up after the break. So again, Mark Childress here hanging out with Facts and Childress. We have one segment left. If you want to get in on the phone lines, 864-654-7627. This is the Mark Childress Show. Hey, Tiger fans. Fall is in the air and sitting by the fire pit at Lakeside Lodge Clemson overlooking the lake is the place to be. Whether you're watching football with other Clemson fans, relaxing by the lake, or enjoying delicious food and drinks at Traditions on the Lake Restaurant, there's no better fall retreat than Lakeside Lodge. We have everything from three-bedroom suites to studios that you can rent for a weekend or own to use as often as you like. Come see for yourself and take a tour. Go to lakesidelodgeclemson.com to find out more. Replanning with McDougal Funeral Services can spare your family so many burdens. It allows you to avoid difficult decisions at a time you should be healing and remembering. Start by visiting McDougalFuneralHome.com for a pre-planning checklist. Then customize a unique life celebration online or have a personal consultation. And you can even prepay for guaranteed price protection. Take care of all the details now and have peace of mind in the future with McDougal Funeral Services. Care. Whether it's your business or your family's health, the more care you put in, the better it will be. United Healthcare knows the difference care can make. It's why we offer plans that support your physical and mental health. And it's why we connect you to care whenever you need it with 24-7 virtual care. Because like you, United Healthcare knows what care can do. United Healthcare. Plan benefits may vary. Today on Hey Culligan, the best things in life are free. 
water tests. Let's go to Candace. Hey, Culligan, how do I learn more about my water? Candace, let me just test the waters here.、Uh, okay. Literally test your water. Oh. For free. Free? Free, Candace. In home water tests for free. So you know more about your water and how to make it better with Culligan water. And Candace? Yeah? We're already on the way. Oh, good. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. And now back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 1055 The Roar. Welcome back in. Final segment of the Mark Childress Show. If you're listening in your car on the app and an internet browser, come on over to Facebook. We had a good crowd tonight. Lots of comments, lots of good questions.、Uh, we are live on the、uh, Facebook page of The Roar and the Mark Childress Show, only show in the upstate of South Carolina that is simulcast on radio and on social media. Mark Childress here. One more segment with Facts and Childress.、Um, there's a team that I'm high on. We argued about this all summer, you, me, and our brother in laws.、Uh, I was the only person that,、uh, well, my brothers in law, your uncles,、um, I was the only person that stood for this one team that is a really good football team. And the three of you told me they were a terrible football team. We haven't even mentioned them. It's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yeah, they're so bad.、Uh, Ian, they're, how are they bad? Ian, they have, their defense is literally so bad. They've got a、their、powerful running、so、game.、Bad. They've got a powerful running game and a quarterback that does not make mistakes. Their defense just got 30 points hung on them by Florida State with a QB who has the equivalent of、okay. the throwing power of me. They, they got, still blew them out. Like, they seriously have. Okay, their offense looks okay against terrible bottom feeder ACC teams. Ian Book is a fraud. He will fold them. He's folded in every big game of his career.、He、they don't up, have any big games. All they have this year up, is Clemson and North Carolina. They're going to lose to North Carolina. And you've said this that the whole year that you think Notre Dame's better than North Carolina. And I just cannot see that at all. If Notre、Sam、Dame Howell, and North Carolina played right now, Notre Dame would win that football no, game. No, Sam Howell is、no. so far clear of Ian Book. It's just. But it's it doesn't matter.、Absurd. I didn't say they had the better quarterback. I said they had. The better team. I will always trust QB play, and Notre Dame's defense isn't encouraging enough to where I don't think that Sam Howell can outshoot Ian Book. So, what I'm hearing is, is that you're really high on the North Carolina defense. No, they're terrible. Yes. No, they're, they're awful as well. But, like, both of these teams are, these, these two teams are terrible defense, terrible defense, really good quarterback, meh quarterback. And then both teams have, <laughs> and the both teams have really good run games. Like North Carolina's run game is just as good as as Notre. I don't、Dame's. know about that. Notre Dame's offensive line is elite because they're experienced, and, and、right. North Carolina has a lot of talent on their O line, and they've been playing better. I mean, you saw them; they put up fifty six points、yeah. this weekend on Fuente and a good defense. Yeah. Well, we think it's a good defense, but yes, I would agree. Historically, I mean, they did have a lot of players. They had 15 out to COVID, and North Carolina got 45 hung on them. Yeah. That's really concerning. But both defenses are terrible. I think if、uh, North Carolina played Notre Dame whenever they play, I think North Carolina will win a game that is in the 40s or 50s. That would be interesting. I still think Notre Dame is a really good player. And that's kind of the fly in the ointment, I guess, when we talk about it. So I think you're going to agree with this statement that I would make. But on the surface, I think most people would immediately disagree. I think there's a better chance that the ACC gets two teams into the playoffs、oh, than the SEC. 100%. If, if, North Carolina, if North Carolina beats Notre Dame and runs the table, I think that. I don't, I don't think they're running the table, but for the purpose of this for discussion, yes. For the purpose of、yes. this discussion,、mm-hmm. well, for, in order for this to happen, you would be pulling for North Carolina in that game because there's no path for two ACC teams to get in. 
if Clemson and Notre Dame, but well, I guess the only they, way they beat each other. The only Notre way Dame beats be, Clemson up there. Clemson gets revenge in the ACC championship game. Two close games. Put them both into the college football playoff. That that could happen in theory. I, wait, because isn't it the top two in the conference this year? It's not. It is. It's, it's top not, two in the it's conference. It's not Coastal and Atlantic. I forgot about that. Yeah, so if Notre Dame lost to Clemson, okay. beat North Carolina, they would play again unless something weird happens and some so, other yeah, team goes on a what, huge run. That would be needed. Would be Clemson needs to go undefeated in pretty much every scenario, but unless Notre Dame beats them because they don't play North Carolina in the regular right. season. So uh, the best path would be, the, the, the ideal path would be Clemson runs the table, UNC runs the table, and then winner and loser both go and probably match up 1-4, I'm guessing. Would, I don't know. Would North Carolina be the number one team in the country if they went undefeated and then beat Clemson? Of course they would be. Yeah. Of course so they would be. I think that's the most realistic scenario. But then again, I do think North Carolina will drop a game they're not supposed to, even if they beat Notre Dame. So, But they have a better pa- – I mean, they're sitting with three undefeated teams, and none of them match up for two or three more weeks, and the SEC will have one after this week. Yeah. So the ACC is in the driver's seat for – it's four weeks before Clemson plays Notre Dame. For multiple playoff spots, the ACC is looking like the best conference in the country, which I agree. sounds weird to say. I agree. I just think no, I think North Carolina is going to lose one or two games before they get to Notre Dame. And I don't know who's going to beat them, but I just I still am not convinced. And again, they've proven me wrong so far. I said it at the end of last year. I'm sticking to it. I'm still not convinced they're an elite football team. I know they have elite talent. I just don't think that they're going to get there. That'll be interesting to watch and uh, and keep track of for sure. Okay, I got a couple of other stats here for you as we're starting to wrap things up. Um, since 2010, Texas is 57 and 57 versus Power Five opponents under three different coaches with seven top ten recruiting classes, two yeah. two first round draft picks. Kansas State playing essentially the same schedule, 62 and 45 in that span with two blue chip recruits since 2010. I mean, coaching. Is Kansas State a better program than Texas? I mean, the past decade, that, those stats would indicate yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's just no excuse with seven top ten recruits to have that record against power fight opponents. There's just zero excuse. That's just the epitome of bad coaching. Yep. It is. A, uh, they can't get it straight down there. Trevor Lawrence on throws of 10-plus yards downfield. We talked about how bad Derek King was earlier. So Trevor Lawrence on throws of 10-plus yards downfield through four games. Do you think his stats would be better this year or last year? 10-plus yards downfield. Probably this year. Well, I'm going to say last year because he had Justin Ross on the team. Yep, and that's what I would have thought as well, but it is this year. It's this year. Last year through four games, Trevor was – and remember, Trevor struggled, struggled at the beginning, at the beginning of last beginning year, of too. Uh, 19 of 46 of throws over 10 yards downfield through the first four games last year. 19 of 46, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, this year, 21 of 38, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he looks like he's got the – imagine if the Tigers had Justin Ross. It would just be – Trevor's got it locked in. They would have another deep ball threat this year. Yeah. It just really sucks. I did see that uh, Justin Ross had a helmet back on for the first time since uh, his surgery. That's really good news. Uh, Xavier Thomas, if you have not heard, he's on the depth chart. He's uh, number two defensive end, I think behind K.J. Henry. Um, So I'm expecting, and again, XT did sneak in to uh, the end of the last game. Uh, I bet he gets some meaningful snaps this week. It'll be great to see him back out there. He's such an, an athlete. Um, he had the concussion. I, you know, I think he's just had trouble getting himself healthy and ready to get back on the field. It's going to be an amazing story because that guy is loaded with talent. Oh, yeah. Loaded with talent. You talk about making a quarterback in the lab like Trevor Lawrence. You want to make a defensive end in a lab or maybe a outside linebacker in the NFL. XT would be that guy, right? So uh, I think that's good news there as well. Um, so 
This was on CFB Home on Twitter, at CFB Home. Go and check it out. It's a great uh, thing to follow. Did you see this? Um, if the uh, BCS had come out this week for this year, so you go back and take the BCS formulas from the computers that were so great for so long and always perfect, it could never be argued with, who do you think the top five teams are, according to the BCS formula, if you were, they were run on the teams this season? Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. Are those three in there? Those three are in the top five. They're not in that order. I want to say Cincinnati, Mm -mm. North Carolina. If the BCS poll came out this week, Georgia would be number one. (laughs) Ohio State, who hasn't played a game, would be number two. How is that even possible? Because it's the BCS, and it was never right. Clemson would be three. Bamba would be five. And Oklahoma State would be number four. And we look back, and listen, I'm not, I am not undercutting the SEC. They went on an incredible run of national championships. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they somehow cracked the code on this BCS formula. Also, Clemson, or the ACC did have, people forget, ACC had three titles last decade. Yes. So it was the, the people are always like, oh, the ACC is the weakest conference. They're the only one that's even been able to compete with the SEC. I mean, mm-hmm. all three titles that the ACC won were against SEC opponents in the title game. Yep. So it's been a pretty even match. Big and, 12 uh, has done nothing in the past decade. The Peg 10's done nothing besides that one Ohio State with Cordell Jones. And then Pac-12 has made one college football playoff and Washington got ran off the field. Could you imagine what this uh, radio and Facebook show would sound like right now if the BCS had come out earlier today with Georgia and Ohio State ranked above Clemson? That's ridiculous. I, I, what we'd is be com- in a rage. This is why everybody what was is, so upset with it back then. What is the computer calculating? If they haven't played a game, what is the I computer calculating? I'll have to dig deeper. I don't even know. What was the computer calculating back then when a lot of those things... Boise State should have like at least sense. two national title games in that era. They potentially could and have. And they got hooked out of it by that BCS computer. They really did. Um, um, I pulled this today, and I wanted to ask you about it, and I intentionally haven't shared it with you before now. Um, this is from FOS Insights. That's Front Office Sports, man. They do amazing stuff. Again, I'm a stat nerd. I'm an admitted one. Um, but I think I find some interesting stuff each week. Uh, per the Aspen Institute, 29% of parents report that their child is no longer interested in sports. A massive hit to the $19 billion industry. Children went from playing sports 13.6 hours per week, per week pre-pandemic to 7.2 hours per week in September. You are not a child, but you have recently been one. What are your thoughts on this? I have no idea what to say about that. I think it's just because I think that's more a reactionary of sports being canceled professionally, so the interest just kind of wanes. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is people that were mildly interested or lightly interested and just kind of kept up to talk with their friends, stuff like that, just realized that they didn't need that in their life, like that wasn't a necessity, and saw what life would be like without it over the break. So I think that's probably what that's the cause of that. What about, and again, you and I are not the norm, right? I mean, we're massive sports fans. We, you know, spend our money on uh, football Ball tickets. Uh, we build our weekends around watching the games that we want to watch when we can and things like that. But for your buddies and things like that that might be sports fans or kind of halfway there, 
is have people lost interest? Are you seeing that with your age group? Because you are the most coveted demographic. No, not not specifically with my age group. I would say no. I'm, I'm going to guess that it's probably a tad bit younger than me that have been the people losing interest. But in my age group, I, I've not seen any decline in interest. If anything, it was more eagerness to get the sports back after they were gone for the prolonged period of time. Yep. I just thought that was interesting that we're seeing, uh, seeing that kind of stuff right there. Also, some uh, news today that I thought was interesting. The NFL has announced that this year's Pro Bowl roster will be named no pro bowl will be played instead this is what they said it's an exact quote the game will be replaced by quote a variety of engaging activities i have no idea what that's going to be maybe some skills challenges or something like that but they're not i'm going to to play the pro bowl this year too like it'll be like they'll have them up on separate screens from different locations i don't know that's a long i'm i'm trying to be positive that I mean, By the time we get gonna, to the Pro Bowl in January. Them, if they're going to fly them all out to Hawaii, why wouldn't they play the game? They don't do it in Hawaii anymore. They stopped doing that, remember? Oh, they, yeah, Orlando. Right? Yeah, they move it down to Orlando. But still, if they're all going to be in the same condensed place, like, why wouldn't you just play the game? I don't know. I mean, the ratings are decent for it, but I know that of all of the All-Star games, I think the NFL is the worst. Yeah, it is. I think the NHL and the NBA are the top two in that. Yeah. You and I went to an NHL All-Star game together. That was still one of uh, my favorite sporting events that we've been to. A couple of other notes before we get out of here. Clemson extends their home winning streak to 19 matches for the soccer team. Coach Mike Noonan picks up his second win over the number one team in the country at Clemson. He previously defeated number one Maryland in 2011. There is a juggernaut being built and has already been built with the Clemson soccer team. Taking down Wake Forest, winning it 2-1. to one. Uh, This is a legitimate national championship threat team this year, even with the shortened schedule and things like that. I think uh, coaching is going to be even more important, and Clemson may have the best coaching staff in the country. There, and the ACC is loaded, and Clemson's right at the top of it. If they're not the best team, they're you know one of the top two teams. Definitely I think that's agree. super important. And the women's team's really good too. Yeah, oh, they are. They're doing great. They are uh, absolutely doing great. Had their coach uh, on the Tiger Tailgate show this past week. Hey, a couple of things on Travis Etienne, only because we had some questions about it in the Facebook uh, comments before we get out of here. Etienne needs 35 rushing yards to move past Florida State's Dalvin Cook. For the second most career rushing yards in ACC history, he's 173 yards shy of taking down NC State's Ted Brown. So 173 yards rushing this weekend for Travis Etienne would make him the best rusher ever from a yardage perspective. Uh, NCAA history, Etienne needs three touchdowns of any kind to become only the seventh FBS player since 1956 to record 70 career touchdowns. ETN has 402 total points. He can pass, uh, he can move up past number five, four, and three this weekend. He could be the top three scorer in ACC history by the end of the weekend as well. And he's the only kicker to not be in the top six already. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. It was a fantastic show tonight. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you again, Megan Heidelberg, for hanging out in hour number one. Thank you, Faxon, for hanging out in hour number two. You can catch me this weekend on the Tiger Tailgate Show on the Clemson Tigers Network before the game. You can catch me after the game on the fifth quarter show. Until next Wednesday night, I'll talk to you later. This has been the Mark Childress Show.
Broadcasting live from the Priority One Security Studios, WCCP 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT, 1560 Cowpens, 97.5 Spartanburg, the Upstate's number one choice for sports. We are the Roar. Sports Radio. This is the Zach Gelb Show. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. Le'Veon Bell done with the Jets. 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 